The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Good morning. I would like to echo uh, some of the thoughts that Scott mentioned before I came before you this morning uh, that I am indeed thankful to be a part of this effort this weekend. I am indeed honored by the invitation of Scott, the elders, the leadership, and indeed the members of this fine family of God. I, uh, I am humbled by your asking me to be a part of this. It's important. It's, uh, it's important that we know the impact the church ought to have on the world. Too many times the world dictates what we think and how we dress, how we talk, how we live. That's not the biblical pattern. The biblical pattern is that we are the light. The biblical pattern is that we are the city that's set on a hill. The biblical pattern is that we should be the tenor of life that the world looks to. And particularly in the area of the subject that we've been talking about this weekend, being reconciled to one another and then finally being reconciled to God is critical. It is critical for our society. It is critical for our church. It is critical for our families. It, every, it touched every aspect of our lives. It's important. And we cannot diminish how important it is to us that who we are reflects who our God is. And our God wants us to reflect him in this world, to let the world know how we should live and how we should sound and how we should talk. And isn't it good to know that God didn't leave us powerless? Because when you look at the task, sometimes you'll say to yourself, well, that is just, that is beyond my, pop, my possibility and my, my, my comprehension or my ability to do this. But God has left us help. He's left us help by giving us the spirit of his son. He's left us help by recreating in us who he wants us to be. He gives us help and assistance by, believe it or not, giving us one another. Sometimes people we sometimes argue with have difficulties being around. I remember a passage of the story of Joseph. And, and there was a phrase in the story of the life and the relationship that he had with his brothers that said they could not talk to him civilly. But they were family. And the power of the family is what we bring to the world. The power of the family and the unity that we have is what we offer those who look to us to determine what the church needs to be like and who the world needs to emulate. I, 
I want us to focus on this passage of Scripture that Brother Scott read in our presence, and then we're going to look at another passage and kind of close our thoughts. I'm looking at the clock, and I realize that we don't have much time, uh, but we will get to the essence of uh, what we are here for. This, this whole weekend, we've been talking about trying to repair an interrupted relationship, trying to, to, to get back to square one. Have you, have you ever been there in, 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 in your life with somebody uh, where all of a sudden things were going real good, they were going very, very well, and then something happened. Somebody said something, somebody didn't do something, somebody did something, and, and, it, and it ruined the relationship. It caused a momentary halt to all the progress that you had made and, and all the, 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 the good feelings that had occurred so far. And now it's fraught with tension and there's ill will and there's uncertainty and there's apprehension. Have you ever been there in your life with somebody? Struggled on, how do I get to the next base? How do I go back to where I once had something that was good, that was positive, that felt good, that I was comfortable with? Do you know that, 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 that we are in a place with God where we don't have what we once have, but we can have what we once have if we give ourselves to him, if we allow him to live and guide and direct our lives. That's what reconciliation is all about. And, and, and when we go back and we look at the book of Genesis, we, we see that God walked with Adam and Eve, and he talked with them on a day-by-day basis. And he, he I, can, I can recall, I can recall the early days of my courtship and marriage with my wife, Diane. And those early years uh, were spent in Sacramento, California, and there was a, there was a park there in that city called Williamland Park. And we would go there on the weekend and just kind of hang out. Didn't have anything to do. Lay out on a blanket. Just, just, this is before the kids, y'all. This is, this is before Bill's babies and baggage, okay? This, 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 this is in the good days, you know? And it was just us. In the Eden, in the garden, that's where God and humanity was. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I had a brand new wife. I had a brand new job. But I was looking forward to the weekend. <laughs> because the weekend, it was just me and Dad. She, she, she probably doesn't think I remember all of that. It was just me and Dad. And it was wonderful. It still is. It's a different relationship. But the, the, early, the early beginnings of a relationship is so full of possibilities. Makes you feel somewhat sad that Adam and Eve lost what God designed for us. What, what do you think about when you think about heaven? What, what do you think about when you, when you think about eternity? What does that look like in your mind? I don't know about you. I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been in the church nine months before I was born, okay? So, so I, that's how long I've been in the church. And my early years of heaven was singing. 
But sooner or later, we're going to get tired of singing. And then it's going to be the relationship that we have with, with one another and the relationship that we have with God and the harmony and the oneness and the uniqueness that all of that affords and brings. That's what we lost in the garden. That's what we lost. And so God, and, and not only do we miss it, God who actually experienced it misses it. And before the expulsion of humanity from the garden, God had already put in place a plan that would bring us back to him. And so the, 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 the garden relationship was destroyed by the advent of sin, which forgot about the relationship and the promise that, 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 we, were had, that we were holding and having with God. And we violated that with sin that came between us and that had to cause the expulsion that we now experience. And with that expulsion and with that separation, we also grew apart and separate from one another. And evidence of that is in Cain's immediate murder of Abel. And so now that one separation, you see what it's cost us? You see what it's cost us? Now look down the annals of time. Cain kills Abel. Jacob cheats Esau. Jew and Gentile divide Black and white, brown and yellow, male and female. We seem to find ways to separate ourselves more often and more naturally than we find ways to join ourselves. Why is that? Why can't we reject the norm, the trend, the cycle? We open our newspapers, we open the, turn on the internet, turn on our television, and every day we see some additional opportunity that Satan offers us to separate ourselves, to draw apart, to point fingers, to deny relationships. That's not who we are. That's not who God wants us to be. God wants to join us back with him. Here's a passage that comes out of Genesis, the third chapter, where God says to, the, to, to Satan, uh, as he expels man and, uh, uh, and woman and punishes Satan for the sin. He says this in Genesis 3.15. He says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and, your off and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Do you understand and recognize that's God's plan for reconciliation? Don't you know that the bruising of Jesus, of the seed of woman's head, the bruising of the seed of woman's head is Jesus' death on the cross? That's, that's a wound that's inflicted on Jesus, but it's not a mortal wound. I, I, can, I can see Satan. Can't you see Satan saying, finally, we shut him up? 
We hung him on a cross like a criminal, and we put him in a grave. And I can see that Saturday night, Satan and all of his imps just having a wonderful, bring all you can bring booze party. We're going to really celebrate the death of this so-called Messiah. And then early one Sunday morning, Early one Sunday morning, God's real plan comes into play. And I know that they didn't know what was going on because Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, that if they knew what that was going to be, had, having killed Jesus, they would not have put him to death. If they knew that this was going to be God's checkmate, if they knew that this was going to be God's plan to come back and bring the whole force of heaven and eternity and everything that God had planned, if they had known that putting him to death was going to be the key to God's ultimate checkmate, they would not have done it. But early one Sunday morning, the rock inside the rock rolled back the tomb stepped out of the grave and says, all power is given to me. All power, God's plan ultimately now has come to fruition. And I'm going to bring all of humanity back to me. Jesus said it this way in John 12. He says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men back. That's reconciliation. That's coming back to God. That's being who God wants and wanted for us. And the beauty of the passage that we looked at is this. Let's turn there. From now on, this is verse 16 in chapter 5. We don't regard anyone according to the flesh. Okay? There's, there's so much in that one passage. Because I've been asked and you have been asked to live above the flesh. Live above who you and I are so easily and so naturally. We're going to let God make us something we had no idea that we could be. We're going to let God create in us something new. We're going to let God do something that only God can do. Because, see, as powerful as we think we are, as unique and special as we think we are, we, we, don't, we don't have anything to contribute to salvation except obedience. Say amen. amen. That's all we... It's, you don't get to heaven on merit. You don't get to heaven on who you are and what you've done. God gave us a test, and then he gave us a cheat sheet. Amen. Amen. That's how we get to glory. Paul says in Ephesians, he says, it's a free gift of God. And you don't earn it. And the reason we don't earn it is because God is in the driver's seat. And the first thing we do is get away from this stuff and look into the world and at everybody according to our flesh. And though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we, know, we regard him thus no longer because now we understand who he is and now we understand what he's all about. It's, remember, Peter uh, had, had, and his fellow disciples had been fishing all night one day, John, the 20th chapter, and, 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 and Jesus says, why don't you throw the net over on the other side. Peter 
was a fisherman. He was almost insulted. I, I, know, what, I know how to fish. I know how to fish. But nevertheless, it's your will, Lord. I'm going to cast it on the other side. And they brought in so many fish that Peter said, Lord, get away from me. <laughs> just, 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 just. When, when you realize who God is in comparison to who you are, then all of this that God has asked us to do becomes possible. I can't be reconciled to God on my own. I can only be reconciled to God through what God has done for me, and which also means that I can't be reconciled to you on my own either. I have to let God do that in me. And then when I realize just who God is and what he can do, then I realize how inadequate I am. Now, see, all of that is important. Because, see, when you realize that you're in the presence and under the control of a mighty God, then you will, like Isaiah in Isaiah 6, you'll just pause and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. You'll let God cleanse you. You'll let God perfect you. You'll let God build in you the new creation. That's, that's what he says here. Look, look at what he says in this passage. He says, he, says, he says, we don't regard him any longer according to the flesh because now we understand who he is. That's the essence of what Paul is saying. We understand the power that he is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, if anyone responds to all the work that Christ has done, if you're in this body, if you're in this relationship, that Christ through his suffering, through his bleeding, through his dying for you and I, if we are in Christ, then he is a new creation. Now, we know that new creation occurs at the moment of our baptism. And that's where it starts, but it continues to work. God changes us. He wipes away our sins. He infuses the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, which means that there is a natural inclination into us desiring to be who God is, desiring to call on his name. Desire, Paul said it this way. Solomon said it this way. He says, God places eternity in us in Ephesians, the third chapter. He says, there is something in uh, Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry. There is something in us that innately calls for God, our Father, to get back to who he is. That when you begin to understand how powerful God is and what he has done in our lives, then, then you will say, as I say, here I am. Lord, send me. I'm ready, God. But you've got to submit to his will. I can't be reconciled unless I allow God's word, his power, his love to work in my life. As powerful as Christ is, I can't be who he wants me to be until I surrender completely to him. And so that's why Paul says, I want you to understand it's a new creation. How you used to look at things you don't look that way anymore. I'm going to tell you, the world knows the commitment you made when you became a Christian. If you don't believe it, live ungodly in front of them. And someone at some point in time will say, aren't you supposed to be a Christian? How many of you have seen people or people have, have you've talked about somebody who was a member of the body of Christ and you say, oh, yeah, he goes to my church. Oh, yes, he goes to my church. And the look from the person you're talking goes, really? 
There is a recognition that letting God work in our lives, letting God pull us closer to him, changes something about us. The old person dies. It used to be easy to get my anger. It used to be easy to insult me. It used to be easy to push me to a point where I would want to seek revenge on you. It used to be easy for me to recognize the flesh in me and yield to that. But because God's worked on me, he's operated on me. He's put something in me that I can't even explain. He's changed my nature. I'm a new person. Now I can walk. I'm getting to the point where I walk with him more day by day. That's what reconciliation see reconciliation has to become alive in our lives. We can talk it all we want but it's got to be real. It's got to be real. And see some I, I, I use this phrase over the weekend that reconciliation is a journey. Okay? You don't go anywhere without, first of all, thinking about how you're going to get there. And some journeys, you don't know all the potheels. Coming down 71, when you come to the second exit, uh, just before you get off of the highway here to come to the building here, you know where the highway goes up and it turns? Then the day before we came there, it was nice and dry and this morning, about 8.30, we come through there. And, and I'm not going to say anything about, I'm not applying anything about the ability of the person driving. I'm talking about the journey. <laughs> and we ran into water we didn't even see on the road. And that's the way journeys, that's the way journeys are sometimes. As God makes us who he wants us to be, we don't become those individuals overnight. We go through the journey. And the bump in the road makes us better day by day. Because reconciliation isn't something you just wake up and decide you're going to do. I'm going to be a Christian tomorrow. I'm going to love my brother tomorrow. No, sometimes you have to walk with him or her and learn him. And when you would naturally be repulsed, now because you are in Christ with him, you go, well, that's interesting. That's novel. I still love this individual because sooner or later you're going to be asking the same of them as they get to know you and you ask they don't be removed from you. And let's, let's look at what Paul's saying. He says, he says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now listen to this. This is from God. My original point is that God is behind this. He's the designer. He's, it's been in time and in God's plan since humanity. God knew this was going to happen way before you and I hit this earth. And so he's the architect. He is the designer. This is from Christ. Who through Christ? Who through what Christ did? Now, see, the Jews thought they were killing a reprobate Jew. They thought they were killing a, a, a rabbi that had gone amok. They thought they were killing somebody who was preaching treason to the Jewish nation or the Roman nation. What they did not see was God's hand behind it. What they did not understand was what God designed. And this Christ, this Messiah, this son of God who died a criminal's death, who was born, buried in a borrowed tomb, this Christ is the one who made it possible for God to reconcile himself and us to one another. This Christ. 
That's the only way this thing is possible. It has nothing to do with you and I except by our obedience to him. And now, here is the shouting part. And now, because of what God has done for us in Christ, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And Paul says, let me fast forward in this text. Paul says, we have become ambassadors. Any ambassador of the United States that hangs around in the office ought to be fired. Ambassadors get out among the people that they are being our ambassador to. And they promote who we are and what we're all about. If you have been given the ministry of reconciliation, then Christ expects you to be his. Talk to somebody about who God is. Talk to somebody about who Christ has been to you. Share who God is. Live the life of one who has been changed. Show the world how to forgive one another. Show the world how to love one another in spite of our infirmities. How many of us have brothers and sisters? Raise your hand. Those brothers and sisters, they have made you angry at times, right? And there are many of us that we we might have some brothers and sisters right now we just don't talk about. But here's a saying that I was always said and have always said about family. Nobody can pick on them but me. You know what's driving the core of that is the relationship that you have. You understand that needs to be a relationship there. So this morning I come to you. This morning I, I challenge us all to let the work that God has done in us, let this work bloom, let this work blossom, let the world see God in us. But before we can be reconciled to God, we need to think about being reconciled to one another. Before, I'm sorry, before we can be reconciled to one another, we need to be reconciled to God. That's the impetus for the relationship that we have with anybody. I had another passage of scripture, but perhaps another time. There are some in here, there may be some in here that haven't formed that relationship with God. You've not answered the gospel call. His, 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 his pattern of reconciliation still stands today. He's waiting to make you a new creature. He's left the story of his son in your life, a son who came down here and walked among us and died for us, got up on a cross, died a criminal's death, shed his blood, all of that made possible so that that you and I could walk with God. The blood remits our sins, puts us in a relationship. Habakkuk says, God can't look on sin. So what he sees when he sees you and I, he sees God's blood. He sees the son, the blood of his son that puts us in a great and positive relationship with him. 
That's the message that you and I need to hear and ought to be motivated to respond to. We ought to believe it. We ought to be willing to let God work on us and change our lives and our intentions and the things that we think are now important. That's what repentance is all about. We need to confess that not only that Jesus is God's son, but I want you to understand the true essence of confession is to recognize that you are no longer Lord in your life. Christ is Lord. He determines. He dictates. His will be done. That's that's the essence of confession. That's confession that hits the road. And then put him on in baptism, dying to self rising to walk in the newness of life. We become a part of a family that's bigger than your family. That's bigger than your family, be it black, white, brown, yellow, green, purple, polka dot. We're in a greater family, a family we call the church, a family that Scripture tells us that is rock bottom, heaven bound, and hell proof. Some of us are in that family. And just like in normal families, things happen among us. There are some folks that are sitting over here because your problem's sitting over here. That's all right. I've been preaching long enough to know that's true in, in every church. It's time to be reconciled. It's time to look that brother or that sister in the face and say, I love you. It's time to shed a few tears in each other's arms. It's time to forget what the argument about was about. It's, it's time to forget the slight. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you feel petty and little to be standing before God on that great day and knowing that some little argument, some little petty thing that you can't even remember the details about, all, all, you, all you now remember is how you feel. You ever, you ever see, are there people in, maybe I'm the strange one in the room. Are there people in the room whose names, if I knew you well enough, I could call a person's name and you just feel bad? It would change your whole attitude? That's all, that's all we remember. We need to get that straight. We need to work that out. That's called, that's reconciliation on a personal level between brother and sister. Because if we can't get it right down here, we'll never have it right up there. So there might be some in here who just need to stand and remain standing and then ask that God give you the strength to be who he wants you to be. Will you consider that this morning as we stand and we sing the song of invitation?